got out of bed, dragged a comb across my found my way downstairs and drank a cup. Somebody spoke and I fell into a dream. Come on, pick up, pick up! After one in the morning, I'm just setting these notes down because it's good to have them on audio. It's been about eight weeks since my colleague, I guess you'd call him, that I never actually met him, uh, disappeared. The last message I have from him is from the 12th. That was the one where he called from the road to let me know he was going up into the hills east of Cherna Dubrovka in a rental car. And since then, there's been nothing. I got a package in the mail, and this is what I'm trying to sort through in my mind. Six weeks ago, my colleague called me as usual and said he was on the lead of something very... Interesting. He'd been summoned to Poland by someone whose name he'd sworn not to say. And, as usual, he wasn't exactly forthcoming with the details. He always liked to kind of go through these experiences fully and process them correctly before before talking about them. And uh, I've always tended to press him for early information. You see, I've always seen this as more of an entertaining game than he has. This time, though, the info was really tough to get, but I've never heard him actually sound like excited about something. Like he was on the verge of something he'd been waiting for for years. At some point, his whereabouts got a little mysterious, but he finally called from the side of the road with a report. He'd been trying to call me since he'd set out that day, but I was out when he finally left the message. He'd been climbing up a mountain road for almost an hour. He could see the Baltic Sea in the distance. He was headed toward a private home at the top of the road, More like a castle, I remember him saying. But the reason he'd stopped was that the GPS had stopped aligning completely with reality. According to the map, he was supposed to be at this place within about 20 minutes after starting the climb, but it never seemed to stop. When he'd gotten out of the car to call, he said his breathing was even different. That's how high up he was. The road was surrounded by clouds. No other cars went by. In the message, I could actually hear the shortness in his breath, like oxygen was getting to be a problem. Nothing but trees everywhere. More and more tall trees. He said they were getting taller all the time. He said he couldn't see the Baltic anymore, which didn't make any sense. And then 
Nothing. No more calls. That was it. I've left a few messages back, but I started to get a terrible feeling almost right away. He's always said that it would make sense that one day, one or both of us would just go too far down some strange road and never come back. In the last year, we've had a couple of odd near misses, I guess you'd say. But most of the time, this has just felt like a dream where nothing we did was going to really hurt us, which in retrospect has been a very stupid way to go about our business, whatever business that is. So yeah, I don't know if this is that point, that point where he went one step too far. Maybe got too trusting, though that wouldn't have been like him as little as I really know about him. But the package is what I have to think about now. Uh, what I think I need to do is go to sleep for a while, <laughs> have a drink or two, and go through it again before I make up my mind about it. I'm just going to let it sit on my desk for a bit. <sighs> yeah, I need to sleep. They had all gathered in the basement room at the dance hall on the old edge of town, past the last chance diner, the car hospital, its sign, a red cross lapped up on white, past the frontage road bend, the feed wholesale, the swinging gates. The dance hall faced a field of gold wheat well, it wasn't there anymore, the wheat. Now it was just a plain, washed out, salt-colored, out to hills. But it used to be wheat, and it shaved back and forth in the sun. And there were people dancing, in their hearts like birds, by the thump of their leather-soled shoes. But there's just too much story to get into. The year before, someone had started stealing clocks. Clocks from the walls, from along the street, from the board on the baseball diamond, from bedside tables and desks. See, clocks used to be everywhere. You almost didn't notice them until you did. They were like sculptures, like TVs and chairs. They measured and stared. At the hall, in the basement, in the dusty keel, the group sat in a circle, perched on unfolded seats. There had been some debate about whether to leave the stairwell light off or on, what would be the most gentle, the most inviting, the most welcome home, the most thank Lord you're here. The bulbs beneath the dance floor, fixed above their heads, were so loud they were quiet. A weak fluorescent glow buffed across the waxy linoleum, the checkerbox grid. One could almost think it was a game. One of them described how, in the last several months that night, she would tiptoe out of bed, 
leave her husband behind her sleeping, and walk down her neighborhood street in bare feet and her cotton gown. You'd think someone would notice, but you know, no one does. That's when I figured out, you can do anything. Another spoke of the diameter of canned goods in the store. They've shrunk. Have you noticed? His fingers bent unnaturally gray as he smoked, lush with wire and sick. They think we don't see. And someone else knew here, smelling like asters, her hair a labored corkscrew tumbling back, talked about time. I have stopped believing in it, she said. It's fake. It's like a winch, all gears and grease. And then the room, which had been crackling with nerved phrases, bonding chat, went slack. It's time, someone said, teeth humming silvery and jaws peeled back, eyes purling with tears. The group turned toward the south wall. There, someone said. A tiny, shy pop started it. They heard the upstairs door leading out to the quilt of the gravel parking lot in the pin-cushioned night, round as blue whales, round as their dreams. They watched for it to appear. They watched for God. There wasn't the sound of quite feet. It was like skate feet brushing over the ribs and fibers of the stairs, coming down. I've been waiting so long, someone said. I've waited forever. Are you sure? said someone else. Maybe it's just been a few days. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. When it did appear, it was shock out front. It was not what they expected. Too rough, too starved. Instead of the still, the quiet of living rooms, the quiet of church, it was shaky and wanting and slick. Dead. It walked toward them on its legs and they panicked in the face of it, in the moment's mouth. So it's up to you. Does it happen exactly how they said, the end of the world? Or is it so much worse than we could ever know? So, this package, it has no return address. The label is printed in this font I can't remember seeing before. It's, it's very classy, actually. Well done. I like a good stately serif font. 
Anyhow, it's got my name and my address. And postage looks like it was sent express from Europe. But no signature required. It's about twice the size of a shoebox, I'd say. And it was left outside my door underneath. There was something I'd, else I'd ordered that was sitting right on top of it. Uh, when you turn the package over, you can see that the box is just a reuse from some other shipments. It's um, the original addressee's information has been crossed out with a very, with a skinny little pen, but like so hard and deep that it's just I can't, it's impossible to tell what the address was before. And I mean, someone really went to work on it. Um, I looked up the from address, which um, that took some, that took some hunting. Uh, it's from a kitchen gadgets store in Warsaw. I opened up the box and there was a book inside, just just the book, a big leather volume. It looked old. There's nothing on the cover or spine, no design to speak of. It looks very handmade. Uh, for packing material, someone used a dark green blanket, very cheap, like army surplus, very scratchy. So this book, it's sitting beside me right now. It's about magazine size. Um, like 300 pages long or so. And um, the pages show a lot of age. They look very old. So that I, I have to be really careful going through it. There was a note tucked about halfway uh, on an index card. And here's what it says. Hey... It's me. I really have no idea how this book is going to get to you. I'm just going to have to trust someone with it. Take it first thing to that contact you have at UCLA and get the age authenticated. Have it done by two different people if you can. We'll discuss it when I get back to the state. There's no signature, but I've seen his handwriting before. In his annotations, it's clearly his. For some reason, he makes his capital T's and his lowercase T's the same. I was meant to ask him about that. Anyhow, I opened the cover, being careful not to break the spine. And right there on the first page, it all began. It only 
took about two minutes to realize what I was looking at. The details of the authentications are a little confusing, but they're also kind of fascinating. <laughs> I've never heard of FTIR spectroscopy as it relates to dating paper. Anyhow, both results are the same, though there's a difference in opinion about the handwriting. According to one of the analysts, apparently the various um, loops and curvatures on the pages here didn't come into use in the West until about 1800. But my friend at UCLA disagrees. The thing is, they're in total agreement on one point, which is that the ink and the paper binding and the leather cover are all at least 220 years old. It was cold that night. The street was hollow and dry. Traces of morning snow still rimmed the curb and pushed up against the edges of lawns. There was no sidewalk here, so he went down the middle of the lane. Houses crawled by on his right, lit from within or by a wan white light across the drive, waking as he moved past. He detected no supper smells, no wood-burning stoves, no chimneys leaking smoke. It was probably, he decided, the wind. To his left, the park tangled thickly over a small trail curling by a small creek till it disappeared in winter weeds, in the buttercup and thistlegrass, swallowed like a sweet. He heard the clicking of trees and some deeper sounds from the woods behind that. They went for blind miles, an unknown bloom, the only other sound was wind and the soles of his shoes whisking the road. When he found the house, it was put up, jammed on a steep rise past stairs. Too abrupt, bereft of shrubs, he felt raised, exposed. He felt like everyone could see him down the block, but there was no one by the red house in the night. Behind him as he climbed was the park tangling thickly till woods. Some clicking and groaning sounds came from the deep. And inside the house, in a corner by the wall with the seams with the paper, it was supper and swallowed like a sweet. But he needed her to warn her of what he wasn't sure. Maybe the problem was him. Maybe the world was the same and the weather just repeated and repeated like a wheel. Maybe it was that everything's dead. Maybe it was his heart. The snow was like a brilliant bone, white and frightening in the cold. He couldn't smell any dinners cooking. Maybe it was the woods behind the park, 
brain-shaped blind miles on the map. I'll do it, she'd said. It was cold that night, and his hands were weird in the light. Maybe the problem was the grass. It rimmed the park, an unknown bloom. He chose a place on the red door. He knocked. He waited for the wind, for the clicking of trees. Because you wouldn't, she'd said. I'll do it because you wouldn't. The hours passed by on his right. Hallelujah, she'd said. Through the buttercup, the thistle grass, swallowed like a house. I am going to die tonight, he thought. I am already dead. There was no sidewalk here. So the snow was hollow and dry. He waited for the world. Is that the ink and the paper binding and the leather cover are all at least 220 years old. These are the exact transcripts of every phone conversation my colleague and I have had about our respective experiences over the last two years. To the exact word, as much as I remember it, see, uh, we, never, we never actually wrote anything down or recorded anything. All written in hand, two different sets of handwriting, but the person who wrote all this composed it like a work of fiction. So he and I are quoted with standard use of quotation marks going back and forth, like fictional characters. But then there are these long, um, strange interstitials, I suppose, breaking up our dialogue. They make up about half of the book, and they're done in a different style of handwriting. They're written in a very traditional prose style. They sort of relate to the topics we've discussed, but sometimes only tangentially. It's almost like, it's almost like someone is commenting on our comments. Eventually, the book just ends. It ends with our last phone conversation. And then he was given it somewhere on that mountain road. Or he, he took it from someplace, or I don't know. I've thought about whether I need to travel out there. But I've come to the conclusion that it really wouldn't make any difference. I have a feeling I might get to Poland, but the road would be different, or I'd get to the house he mentioned, and <laughs> there'd be no door, or I don't know. Maybe the book itself will simply not be there when I wake up tomorrow. It feels like 
we've been dealing in two very different realities all along. And they can't ever really meet. Like, nothing we could try could jar those two hemispheres. So, I'll start again. Can I start again? Where did you start? Where was your home? Did you have a house? Did it sing or shake? Did it merely wait? Who were your friends? What did you do? Where were the trees you sat beneath? In the sprinkler water, in the cool mud, in the coiled sun? Who dug the hole? Your mother or father? Your neighbor? Your friend? Who were your neighbors in the moon? Who were your animals? Were they soft or loud? What did you find at the old dance hall? What did you find in the town? Do you remember it? Your room at night? What about the hall, your the hall in your house. Did the nightlight help make it worse? Did the shadow go away? Or what about the window, the brushing head? Can you still hear it creaking door? What's in your closet on the floor? or between clothes thin, hanging, or... What did you find in the park in the dark? Did you take him home? Did you call him Clark? Where's this from? A million moons and skies like snow. Why don't the trees, those kings, still grow? What made you go away from home? Was it a fear that makes you wrong? Why did you go there? Where was the sky? If I was there all along, why wouldn't you see? Why couldn't you see me? I wish you told me what happened. That summer, that year you ran. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But don't you think all this started somewhere? Where did you start? Did I tell you mine? Did I tell you my things? I think I have, but I'm careful. I scare you, so I try to hide. We don't believe, and yet we do. We don't have faith, and yet we do. What are we doing? Why do we hunt? 
What are we trying to kill? Hello, I'm not available right now, but leave me a message and I will get back to you. outside your door. This is the address you gave me once, so if you're here and you want to open up, but think about it carefully before you do. (laughs) 